it's it's just constantly invigorating like you're constantly challenging your brain and um, pushing yourself maybe a creative side of things or you know how how can we make things better it's a constant dynamic challenge which I love this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep So much has changed over the last decade. The way we interact with each other, a greater connection to community and a sense of purpose too. What does the modern hospitality group look like that centers around community, service and actively seeking ways to make a better contribution? Mira Horel is the general manager of Another Kind Hospitality Group in South Australia. Mira, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Huck. How are you? I'm good. It's good to get you on the show. You're pretty busy doing all sorts of things, um, not just a general manager of, uh, of a hospitality group. Um, how's things down there at the moment in South Australia? Yeah, we're starting to, to feel the silly season kicking in slightly later than usual, but it's definitely coming our way, which is, uh, which is very good. We're very grateful for that. Um, and, you know, just trying to make the most out of it at the moment. Um, it's very busy. Tell us a little bit about the, the group, uh, Another Kind, and the sort of venues that you have. So, Another Kind has recently formed into a group. Um, we, at the moment, um, have three restaurants in Adelaide. Um, the three are Press Food and Wine, Lee Street Wine Room, and Pill Street Restaurant as well as uh, an e-commerce wine uh, business called Juice Traders. Um, So all businesses have existed prior to another kind, um, but have recently in the last 18 months been purchased by uh, one owner who decided that it's time to make a change. Um, And about a year ago, I joined the group um, as general manager and ever since we're, I guess, redoing what those venues are doing um, our way and trying to introduce new platforms and a lot of them around education, wine programs um, and and really an intro to another kind of hospitality um, where we believe um, it's time to innovate, um, really look into what does true hospitality means, um, how can we create some career parts um, in this world of hospitality in Adelaide um, and refine what we're doing. So constantly polishing and constantly rethinking um, what we're doing in those venues. May it be the food, may it be uh, the the tone of voice, um, the music, the design, um, to, to make them timeless, basically. How did the job come about for you? Um, well, I was actually I actually moved to Adelaide three and a half years ago um, from from Melbourne, from Victoria. My husband is originally from Adelaide, and we decided that it was time for a bit of a change and be a, closer to family, um, especially when we have two little ones. Um, and it took a while. It took a while to find our feet here in in Adelaide. Um, coming from, you know, such a, a large city. Um, but I was very lucky to do the opening of Lee Street Wine Room, which is one of the one of the venues that are now under another kind banner. 
Um, and at the time, it was just a three months of opening project, um, which allowed me to kind of put my foot in the door and get to know people around Adelaide, um, including the owners of, of Lee Street Wine Room, Sally Sassy and, and Nathan. Um, and when they sold Lee Street Wine Room um, to the current owner of another kind, um, they uh, introduced me to him and basically opened the door for, for this position, which I guess was ticking many, many boxes for me in terms of finding a way to still do what I do but with less time on the floor, um, being a mum and um, also trying to find the next step of my work in this world. Um, and surely but sl- not slowly, <laughs> we, we, got, we, we got into it. Um, so it's been a year now and it's been a big year um, and the team has grown and we're um, really, really busy creating um, all the platforms that we believe will allow us to grow because we see this as a as a growing group we're we're not finished yet um we're probably going to grow a slightly more within um south australia before we're hoping to you know take ourselves into um a few other states Tell us a bit about this new approach to hospitality. COVID sort of gave everyone a license to try new things and um, and they had to try new things to survive in many cases as well. But um, it also allowed many to let go of the past as well. What's, what's some of the initiatives and, and um, culture that you're bringing into the group? I think for us is, um, is mainly the attention to balance um, and constantly seeking balance um, for our teams. Obviously, hospitality got a huge hit when it comes to staffing um, and people are, as they should be, being a lot more picky with what roles and positions they do take in this world. So, you know, that forces us to really think, okay, what is it that we're offering? Um, how good it is, how well um, people can live off it, but also how much can they grow and see a, a return for themselves in it um, without impacting their day-to-day life um, outside of work. So that's something that we're, you know, it's not easy. It's very challenging. Obviously, we, we work long hours, but we're still trying to refine that every day. Um, and I think that's for us the main thing looking after our people making sure that we are providing a sustainable environment for them to to have their own lives to to really see this as something where they can um uh have a career in um and and you know we need that because for us to grow, we need the people and we need um, skilled people. So we're very, very happy to teach, which is then the next thing that we are um, developing constantly, which training programs um, and offering education um, and not taking it for granted anymore that we'll just find skilled people. No, we're here to um, teach them when we're here to, to grow people from scratch and and really show them the way from the beginning and how it can be done right and how um, you don't have to give away everything you have to work in hospitality like you used to be. Take us back to when you were young. Um, 
what sort of role did food play in your family growing up? A huge role. Um, I'm the youngest out of uh, six. Um, my mum grew on a grew up on a farm in Newtown, Connecticut, in America, um, and her father. Um, had dairy, uh, well, had a dairy farm. Her mum was the uh, usual um, farmer's wife, growing everything at home and cooking everything in house. So nothing was bought. Um, and when she immigrated to Israel, where she met my father, she really brought that with her, and that's how we grew up, where everything was made at home. Um, I don't think we've ever had a bought like cake or cookies and you know we we lived in the kitchen um where she made everything um which was amazing because she also worked full-time and raised six children um she also really took a lot of my dad's heritage um on board which was from the other side of the world my my father is uh um his family is from iraq so um, there's a lot of mix and matches there in, in our kitchen. Yeah. And um, she really, really learned everything from my grandmother. Um, so flavors and textures and colors were a main, uh, a main thing on our table um, every day. Um, and my family really uh, grew around, commu- was raised around community um, as my dad was the head of the synagogue, the local synagogue in, uh, where we live. Um, st- he still is, so the door was always open for people who needed where to eat and where to stay and um, people to connect with. So hospitality, I guess, in a way, was something that I guess I didn't know I was growing with, but was definitely something I grew up with um, in a different kind of frame. Do you have any examples of dishes or feasts that you remember from from when you were young that you can share? Absolutely. I think, um, I guess, the main weekly dinner would be a Friday night dinner. Um, As I said, I I grew up in Israel um, at a a religious home um, where the Sabbath uh, was – is a big, big um, weekly event. So the Friday night dinner – um, is a feast. Um, and for me, the first course of that dinner is something that, till this day, 10 years in Australia now, I miss a lot, um, where it's always the same, but every week it still tastes um, very special, where you have the fish and probably 12 or 15 different salads on the table, Um all fresh um, and, you know, or just made a moment before dinner um, and a lot of pickles and fermented um, goods on the table that would be, you know, preserved according to the season. Um, And that's something that, you know, it's really hard to replicate because no matter what, it has that special flavour of that special dinner um, once a week and, and it's, Every week it's special again. So that's definitely something um, I miss but also um, cherish um, in my, I guess, um, understanding of flavour. Well, I was, I guess, like many people 
have a similar story. I was never meant to be here for this long. I came for uh, what was planned to be three months work experience, um, opening my eyes, trying to see other things. Um, and I guess six weeks after I arrived here, I um, met who ended up being the father of my children and <laughs> and my partner. Um, and, and I also discovered a world that was so – had so much wealth of – and passion when it comes to food and wine. And, and I just – I just couldn't let go of it. <laughs> I had I had to stay, um, and you know you never you never plan those things, um, and things just kept going. Um, more experiences, more challenges, more people who I met along the way, and before I realised it, this is this is where I, where I was, um, and this is where I kind of I guess. Uh, found myself in a way um, where I could really um, share my passion and learn and gain more knowledge where I don't think I could have done it to this degree back at home. Um, not because it doesn't exist, just because uh, I guess Australia is a little bit more advanced in that way. Um, and it was too intriguing and too exciting for me to let go of. So I stayed. Tell us about the first steps into uh, your career in hospitality. Um, so that would be nearly 16 years ago. I actually had to pause my previous career, which was in professional sport. Um, I was a professional athlete Um uh, I was a high jumper and unfortunately I had a quite a severe back injury that forced me to quit um, which was a very painful physic physically painful and and mentally painful um, uh, part that I had to get through and after a while of you know, beating myself up about it and going through the motions of letting go of that career, I had to I had to make a move and I decided that, you know, no one else is gonna do it for, for me. I have to do it for myself. And for me, as as I shared with you before, um, food and wine and people and sharing sharing a table was something that was so easy you know something that was so familiar so working in a restaurant was something that I felt very comfortable with doing so I became a waitress and very very quickly um fell in love with it because um it was fun and I got to um meet lots of people and I got to um chat to guests and teach them things and um make them smile and for me it was um, after many years of training and being on my own for many hours of my of the day that was um that was so fantastic and running around and having that rush and buzz um was just something that I immediately fell, fell in love with so 
um, one thing led to another and I, I was really, really interested in wine. So I started reading um, and going to tasting where possible and buying wines. And, you know, every time I saved a little bit of, a little bit of money, I went and bought a few bottles or went out and dined and, um, you know, like every other 20-year-old that starts their way in this in this world. Um, and I guess it didn't stop because coming from a world of uh, professional sport, challenging yourself and always looking for the next step and the next achievement, it just naturally made me push myself um, harder and forward um, to then become a restaurant manager and um, involved within the, within the community. So that was the start of it. What were the really important venues uh, when you first uh, started your career in Melbourne for you? Um, look, I'm, I have to acknowledge the the first venue that opened their door to a young sommelier coming from, you know, an obscure country like Israel um, and let me be a part of the team, which was Brooks, um, Brooks of Melbourne that um, no longer exists, but it was... Um, it was such a, a stepping stone for me because, um, you know, it was a new city in a way working in this language, even though I spoke English at home, but still working in, an, in English was uh, something that I had to get used to um, learning about new ingredients and native ingredients and, and local producers. Um, they, they really opened the their heart and um and arms to me so and I've learned so much and I think you know that was such a a beautiful space um surrounded by incredibly professional people um and leaders in the industry so I think that was um I don't know if I was where I am today um without having those two years there that taught me um so much about Australian hospitality um, and gave me the confidence um, to really sp- spread my wings and, and, and take the next step, which was the lake house um, in Dalesford where, um, where I became a head sommelier there. Um, so not only a, a tree change, but um, working with an incredible seller. Um, you know, it was like a candy store um, and a dream come true for every, every sommelier. Um, and obviously working with Ella Wolf Tusker um, so closely in that in that space with so much heritage and history, um, you know, really gave me so many tools that I use now as a manager and maybe understanding financials, which I guess is something that not a lot of people talk about, but it's so important to know um in this world of fun wine and 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 service um but as well as um you know respecting tradition as well as learning and creating the future um so you know the lake house had has it had its own um stamp on me which was very very important to then move back to melbourne to uh, a hip and very, I guess, cool venue like the Town Mouse, um, which I think for me the Town Mouse was where I could really become who I am 
in that space, taking everything I've learned over the first four years in Melbourne and really um, make it my own because it was in a way casual but still so um, so professional and so attentive to service um, and wine and details and food. Um, so it was, it was actually a very interesting journey that had every step along the way had its own meaning to, to, to take me to the next step, if that makes sense. Do you have any stories of um, what it was like working um, at the Lake House with other Wolf Task or even Town Mouse and um, sort of the impact that it had on, on you? Um, I think, you know, Ala Wolf Tusker, apart from being a legend for me, being a woman that is so incredibly strong um, and a mother too, um, for me, was something that allowed me to really believe in myself that, you know, I can do it. Um, and to really um, make sure that I, I don't give up um, because it's not, it's not easy in this world, um, not impossible, of course, and something that I really now thrive to work with my teams is, is, is equality and, and that space of, of gender balance um, in, in this world. And I think, you know, working alongside a fierce, um, opinionated, very um, strong woman was something that I needed to experience myself um, in a position which was very, you know, a leadership position as well, but um, to still have that, um, you know, someone to look up to and to learn from in that space. So I think for me that's a lot of what I took from working with her. Um, and, and at the town mass, you know, it was all about enjoying life really celebrating life um and and what it what it brings every single day no matter what it is um with a very small team that was that was family you know um that really appreciated quality um and appreciated um community you know we're a neighborhood restaurant um you know, the little engine that could, it was really nothing, nothing was impossible. Anything that we wanted to do, we did. Um, and, and really allowing ourselves through that um, healthy confidence um, to make people explore the, the world of, you know, slightly, slightly unusual wines or more um, challenging plates of food um, in a very comfortable, inviting environment where you can walk in with your sneakers and it's all cool, you know, and, and listen to really good music um, and know the, per the person across uh, from the other end of the bar and, and always know the people who work in the space. And I think that was the, the special thing about the town mouse. Um, no matter what, you would always go there and you know you would have the best time, um, which, you know, it, it sounds simple but very hard to, to create. 
you didn't waste any time uh, once you did get here in Australia and within four years you were named Victorian Sommelier of the Year. What sort of impact did that uh, acknowledgement have on you? Um, I didn't see that coming, that was for sure. Um, look, I was I was very I was very proud because it was a uh, I worked really hard. Um, so for me personally, it meant that you know that hard work meant something um, to someone else that um, believed in what I was doing. But it was also an opportunity to to voice myself. Um, and and to expand the circles where hopefully um, I could make a difference, um, and and that's where moving back from from Dalesford to Melbourne and starting things like Grow Assembly um, and being part of tastings or judging wine shows because of that um, acknowledgement meant that. Um, I could have a greater reach um, to express my opinions and philosophies when it comes to wine and service. Um, and, yeah, those things do help. You're one of the co-founders of uh, Grow Assembly. Tell us a bit about how that came about and, and what you were doing. Um, so in 2016, a bunch of us who worked in um, restaurants in Melbourne really felt the struggle with finding staff or finding skilled staff. And we obviously realised that there's no real education um, when it comes to being a professional in this in this industry. I mean, we were just very lucky to work in it, venues that offered education or mentoring opportunities. But obviously, it, it, it's not the same case everywhere you go. So... After coming back from New York, um, being part of the Welcome Conference um, in 2015, which really inspired us to start a movement, I guess, or um, collect the community around us um, and talk about education, talk about inspiration, and for it to be led by front of house um personalities because obviously there's many conferences or festivals that are led by chefs um, and we felt that the voice of the front of house and the importance of service um, and education in that in that space wasn't vocal enough or, or had enough attention um, and whatever was available around wasn't current enough. Um, so we thought, all right, no one else is going to do it for us. We're going to have to make this move and put it together, um, which was very exciting <laughs> and very, um, you know, uh, challenging in a good way. Um, you know, we it sparked some difficult conversation, um, topics that were, you know, for some people perhaps been confronting, but also amazing for for some to to bring those ideas to life so we started in 2016 with our first conference in melbourne um hosting many incredible speakers 
um, from across Australia and a couple international. And we were amazed with the feedback that came came along with it because it, it felt like it was exactly what everyone were missing, um, at least in our immediate community. Um, and that obviously gave us the encouragement to keep going. So we then had um, another conference in 2017 and 18. We already grew to Sydney uh, as well. And in 19, um, we had our first one in Adelaide here. And unfortunately, then COVID hit and being a, um, a conference that involves people from across the country, that was quite hard to, to continue. Um, but we're working on bringing it back to life hopefully very soon um, because it's important. And and there, there was a momentum there that we, we, we don't want to miss. And I think, you know, people are thirsty to have a conversation Um there's everyone's so busy there's all, never enough time but at the end of the day if you stop for a moment and open open that conversation to to more people in the industry there's so much you can you can gain from it there have been a lot of discussions about uh, work-life balance in the last couple of years and people looking at their careers differently. You're general manager of a, a lot of uh, venues and there are a lot more on the horizon and your partner Banjo is also in the industry and you've got a young family. How, how do you find that balance of um, you know, life and such an intense work life as well? Um, some weeks are harder than others, but I guess for us... Um, it's about the the strict guidelines that we've put in front of us, um, which are our young children come first because we can always work in another restaurant or have another business, but they're only going to be this young for a certain amount of time, which we made a choice and a decision that we, we don't want to miss on that. Um, so for us, for example, you know, we, we make a rule that comes Friday night, we close the computer and we do our best not to open it till Sunday night where we need to prep the week. Um, and, and, you know, we, because it's a mutual decision, then we make sure that we, we keep it and help each other to, to, to keep it. But, you know, I think it's about making guidelines for the people who work with you as well. This is when I'm available and this is when I'm not. And although everything we work on is very, very important and seems very urgent, nothing can't really wait for the next day. And it's having that perspective um, and understanding that we can only do this if we look after each other and bring each other back into um bring things in proportion, back into perspective and keep them in proportion and and make sure that, yeah, some days we have a deadline and we need to make it happen and we made a collective decision that we're putting our heads down and we're not going to finish until we're, we're not going to leave it until we finish. But other days it's about, you know what, now it's time to go home and everything else could wait for tomorrow. Um, and I think... Look, I can only say that because I'm now in a more, uh, I guess, executive role um, where I can control my time a lot more. Um, and I can't, I can't say it's always been like that. Um, but it's about being really strict with your decision making. Um, and that's why we moved to, you know, that's why we moved to Adelaide. 
um, to have slightly more uh, s- slower environment around us in a good way um, that would force us to do this and just spend time with family. You're at the helm of a young, dynamic group. Um, what do you love about what you're doing? Many things. Um, I think for me, it's the people. I guess it's uh, it's tacky. It's it's what many of us say, but it's the people. It's the people that you 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 get to meet, um, and you get to learn from, and you get to be challenged by, because not. Every, every single day is different um, and for me that's exciting you know you come to work and even though you've got a plan you never know how the, the day is going to end because you're working with people um, and and it's very diverse community that we have here which is something that I you know is not uh, is not by accident like we we, we want to make things as broad and and as inclusive um, to empower young professionals. So you know, being a part of doing that and mentoring and and really having powerful discussions every day with um, with young professionals and some you know more uh, people who are. I've been in the industry for a while as well because we've got a few of those too. It's it's just constantly invigorating, like you're constantly challenging your brain and um, pushing yourself, maybe a creative side of things or, um, you know, how, how can we make things better? Um, it's a constant dynamic challenge, which I love. Well, Merit's... Uh- fascinating to hear just a part of your story and look forward to seeing what you do with another kind uh in the next couple of years as well we've loved having you on deep in the weeds today to hear a part of your story please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon thanks for your time huck i really enjoyed it this is the deep in the weeds podcast i'm anthony huckstep Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.